here. Everybody say it with me. The Lord gives gifts to his people. The Bible says, say it with me, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are the gifts to the people of God. Dr. Peter is a gift, so I want you to welcome him as a gift to you because he is sent, and so let's just welcome Dr. Peter with Uh, good morning. Well, I, I want to honor um, Pastor Sherry. I don't know if she's still in the house, Pastor Kevin. So uh, these guys are absolutely amazing. I mean, how, how often do you have um, a pastor raise up people for the, she's got sort of a ministry school for training you all. It's just absolutely amazing. It's been great. They've been gracious. We've been staying in their home, uh, in their backyard, in their uh, place that they're fixing up. It's just been great. And they really, really have a heart for you. As I've been listening to them share over the last couple of days, just their passion for this house, for you people. So they absolutely love you to pieces. So we just honored them, bless them. So yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, that's right. Let's give those guys a hand. Well, I'm teaching off a computer today because I'm, I changed my message. Uh, if you were at the conference, I was going to speak on... Um, the Blessing Father, I may include some things from that, but I actually felt like, and you guys did a great job with it, um, I wanted to speak on honor, um, biblical currency of heaven, and I just, I woke up this morning, uh, got a good sleep last night, it's been a busy weekend, we got in about 11 last night, so, um, and I, I felt like um, the Lord just dropped this in my spirit, this morning, and so I pulled up some old notes. So I hope you don't mind if they're old. And oops, I'll uh, make them big enough so I can read them from my thing here. But uh, what happens is I call this a relational currency. You know, currency buys something of value with something of value to you. And when we honor one another, we actually create value. We create value for people, and it's uh, something that. Um, when we practice this truth, it conveys the heart of God towards people. Understand this is a fairly prophetic heart and you'll hear people prophesy. Prophesy does have a measure of honor to it. But on, you'll hear as we talk about honor today, it really brings something short. In fact, the scripture says, um, honor your father and mother that it might go well with you in the land of your promise or the land of your destiny. And what that says is that honor actually attracts to you inheritance of all that you're called to be. And when we learn to honor others, we actually draw God's favor towards our life for us to come into the fullness of what God has purposed. It's a little bit like thanksgiving. It's a little bit like praise. As we actually practice honor, we draw inheritance to us. So that's where I'm headed today. And... Um, I, I realized oh, something switched. There we go. Wait, what happened here? I won't be too loud, hopefully. Oh, they're turning me up, it sounds like, so I'll talk a little softer. Um, you know, we, we know another relational currency is, is love. It's also forgiveness or generosity. It's, it's offering mercy. It's doing acts of kindness. But I really just feel like honor is a really, really key thing and let's say this together, honor creates value and releases an inheritance. I'll say it again, honor creates value and it releases an inheritance. 
So let me define it for you, and I'll be reading some scriptures here in just a minute, but there's um, two Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Um, there's a lot of places it talks about honor. There's actually four of them, but there's, there's several that are main uh, common. One is kabod, and the other is kabod. And some of you may know that term, the kabod, the glory of the Lord. It's the assignment of value, worth, importance, or weight to something or something. Um, it's commonly used to say the glory of the Lord, the glory of the king, uh, etc. But when we assign glory, we're saying, God, you're the most valuable thing to me. I esteem you above all things. You're beautiful, you're wonderful. You're literally declaring the glory, the greatness of God when you do that. Um, the other Hebrew word that's used a fair amount is, is harar, and what it means is to esteem someone or something above another in showing value. So it's to give preference to, to show value uh, about something to somebody. Um, I'm gonna skip the other two Hebrew words. They're not uh, used as much, but some say it's like it's the highest rank. It's the thing that's the most important to me. Um, the Greek words are time and doxa, uh, or doxazo, which is um, what we get as the English word glory as well. And what it means is to call forth to proclaim the intrinsic worth of something. And actually, I like that term. That was time, intrinsic worth. So my, my armor bear, that's a good way to call you. That's, I like that, actually. By the way, um, that's a really good term, and I'll honor Jean with that. Some of you know the story of Jonathan and his, quote, armor bearer that take on the Philistine garrison. It's in 1 Samuel, he gets around maybe 14, 1 Samuel 14. You'd get you Bible scholars will have to check me out on that. But what happens is, you know, the, the, the Philistines are, are winning. You know, Saul is quaking in fear. We can't take them. And Jonathan says, well, if our God is for us, certainly God will take these, these you know, uncircumcised Philistines kind of mindset. And so he says, I know what we'll do. We'll go to the low place and we'll, we'll climb up the hill to their high place, which is, of course, the worst military strategy. And, uh, and uh, if, God, if God is for us, we'll strike the enemy. And if, you know, if they call us to come up, you know, we'll know that God has given us the, our enemy into our hands. So it's sort of like, We'll do the worst military thing, and if God tells us, to, if they call us to come up, we'll know it's ours. And it's actually the armor bearer that takes the sword. He takes Jonathan's sword, and he goes before him. And he slides, so Jonathan's just like the bystander, and the armor bearer takes everybody out. So Gene, you're like that to me. He, he, like, uh, he goes before, and he paves the way, and he makes it open. And actually, he's, he's a great servant towards me, so I just bless you as an armor bearer. <laughs> That's pretty fun. But he has intrinsic worth, and that's what we're saying. When we honor something, we call together that we call the intrinsic worth to that. And um, I have learned to practice honoring my children. I did that some with testimonies for those of you that were at the conference. They told son and daughter stories about what my kids have done, their exploits. I, I didn't tell uh, a wife story, so maybe I'll tell my wife's story my wife works as a, um, and this is, again, she needs to hear this from my lips publicly. I've shared this story multiple times, um, sometimes in our church, and she's always a little embarrassed, but it also brings value to who she is. She is, Gwen carries the most amazing spirit um, that you can't help but 
fall in love with her. You can tell she's a deep well with the Lord. And when she went, she, she's been teaching for 11 years, not teaching. She's been assisting in classrooms at her local, our local school. It's about three blocks from our house. And uh, she does reading assistance right now. She's been working for the last few years in a kindergarten class. And she's the professional assistant sort of thing. And uh, the first day, I, I'll never forget, this is so characteristic of Gwen. The first day she got there, she said, um, the teacher, the pr principal came to her and said, you know, we're gonna give you playground duty today and your assignment is if any of the kids are out of line, you've gotta call them into correction. And oh, by the way, there's one young boy that comes and um, he scratches and bites everybody and pretty much every day we have to send him into the office. And the kid will scream, he'll scratch, he'll bite, he'll destroy the kids in the playground. And obviously you can imagine something's going on with this poor kid. And, um, and when you see this kid, if he's doing anything, just bring him right in. We just don't want you to be bothered by this. And they point him out. They say, that's the kid over there. So she goes out to the playground. And as she's out there, um, she's out there for like two minutes. And the kid sort of saunters over and stands next to her. And for the entire time of the playground duty, the kid was like attached to her hip and leaning against her. And she's like, Jesus, like, what is this? Like, what are you, he's quiet. He wasn't biting, he wasn't scratching. And so at the end of the time, she got down on her knees, she said, I'm gonna leave the kid unnamed to protect him. He's probably in junior high, middle high at this point, middle school. But he says, he says to him, we'll just call him David. David, why were you standing next to me the whole time? He said, well, you said, Miss Young, um, when I stand next to you, the voices in my head are quiet. And so what was actually happening is she was acting like someone that would release deliverance. And the peace that she carried actually brought peace to this child. And it allowed him to have a moment of the Lord's presence. And somehow he recognized, I need that. And that's literally, yeah, that's literally how my wife is. She, she walks into the classrooms at, at our church and she brings peace everywhere she goes. And um, so I just honor her for that. It's something that she carries, it's real different. Um, I don't always carry that same kind of thing, but I mean, how many want that kind of stuff? And, but what happens is if I honor that in her, I cause increase in her life in that. That anointing grows and I actually gain, gain for myself an inheritance of peace in our own home and my ability to get with children and speak peace to them because I honor what my wife carries. So that's a little bit about what that means, is to call forth the intrinsic worth in something, what is praiseworthy, what is um, glorious, what is to be acknowledged or celebrated. Um, it's not an opinion. It's, um, it's to just declare what God sees and to honor and to bring it forth. Here's how the Holman Bible Dictionary describes honor. To honor is to recognize the value of someone or thing and to act accordingly. Notice that. It's not just with words. It says to act according to it. Verbal praise is only the starting point. It begins in the heart and leads to genuine action that must follow. Honoring parents, for example, involves not only verbal respect or submission to their authority, but also providing for their material needs. And he quotes in Holman's Bible Dictionary here, Matthew 15, four to five. 
so that their poverty would not be a source of shame. To honor can also mean to give value to another with tangible signs of respect. Um, list Esther, Esther 6 to 8, um, 2 Chronicles 16, 14. I don't know those texts. I'm just reading my notes here. Um, the opposite of honor is shame. To shame someone is to challenge that one's reputation or to disregard their worth or what they carry in the Lord. Wow. Um, the ancients viewed every human action and interaction as an occasion for either giving honor or uh, acting upon honor that is increasing one's value in the public eye or for being shamed where one's estimation is degraded. That's interesting that it was actually something that happened in the culture. And of course the Bible says don't shame one another but honor one another. So honor is a relational term which describes a hard attitude resulting in a behavior or action that gives respect, credit to, esteems, elevates. By the way, elevate Miami. Not only are you elevating in the spirit here and that you're going to touch many in the things of the kingdom, but what if we elevate one another into our full potential through words of honor, actions of honor, praises another in attitude, word and deed in every context. So let's read some scriptures. I wanna say this, first of all, many of you may not know this. We hear that God is love and the Father loves the Son, the Father, you know, the Son loves the Father, etc. But actually, the way the Bible describes it, other than saying God is love, it actually says the, the Father honors the Son and the Son honors the Father and the Father honors the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit honors the Son. So let me read a text to you, um, Matthew 3, 17. I want you to hear, um, this is how God treats himself. He actually, the currency of the unity of the Trinity in their relationship is honor. Yes, they love one another, but they do that tangibly through honor. So Matthew three seventeen. this is when Jesus is getting baptized and as the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and remains, and he comes up out of the water, there's actually a voice from heaven the Father speaks in that moment. And the Father says this, um, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So before Jesus has done any work of ministry, before he's healed the sick, performed miracles, gone to the cross, done all of his actions, the Father audibly in front of all the witnesses are there speaks forth and says, this is my beloved son, and with him I'm well pleased. And so what happens there is it's not conditioned on what Jesus has done, it's conditioned on the intrinsic worth of who his son is and what his son is about in his personhood. And the father calls that forth. By the way, that's something that's important because some of you have grown up in shame cultures where you try to get a child or a person to do something through shaming or perhaps challenging or criticizing or whatever, but it's something to honor. In fact, there's an interesting movie. I, I forgot what it was. It was in LA and um, it was a bunch of inner city kids and they were basically 90% were not going to college. and. One of the teachers in that, I wanna say it's, 
it's not White Knight. That's a that's a dancing movie with a guy from Russia. But it, some of you may know this. It's it's like Stand and Deliver or something. Is that is that what it is? You know, and you know the story. What the teacher does is he speaks value to the kids. He says, and they, they end, end up entering a calculus contest, and all these kids ace calculus, and most end up going to college. But the the idea there is he says, you can do this. You're intrinsically made well, and he literally, through honor and creating value, he produces an inheritance for these kids. And I, I, I'm sure any of you that have been honored or spoken value, you, you know how it just swells your spirit? And you just feel that difference that comes into you when that happens. It's part of how we call forth destiny, not just the prophetic word which speaks of future that God has, but value based on nothing that we've done, just who we are as created in the image of the, of the Father, in the image of God the Son, image of the Holy Spirit. It calls forth that value. So the Father did that. Here's another text, Matthew 17, verse five. This is at the transfiguration. By the way, the Father says this three times in the Gospels. At his son's baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. And um, then in Matthew 17, 5, at the transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah come to talk about Jesus, about the crucifixion that's to come, and just, you know, he's transfigured into glory. And the disciples, the three that are up there, say, like, what do we do? Do we build the tabernacle? What do we do with this? And it says, behold, while he was speaking, a bright light and cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And then we know in John chapter 12, um, when Jesus is talking about his death on the cross, the Lord also speaks from heaven and says, I will glorify him and I will glorify it again through my son. And he actually ascribes honor to his son with the word doxa about glorifying his son, speaking honor to him. Um, and then this is how Second Peter writes about this. And um, again, what's happened is in the life of Jesus, the Father audibly spoke honor to give Jesus the strength for the ministry and the assignments ahead of him. So at his baptism, he's released to his public ministry and the Father's honor gives him internal strength to actually conduct what he's called to do. Then when he's transfigured and the Father is explaining to him, this is what the suffering is gonna look like. This is what the cross is gonna look like. Because right after he came down, the scripture says, from that point on, Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing that he was gonna be crucified. He started speaking the next verse as he speaks to um, his disciples saying, I'll be crucified, but in three days I'll come back, you know, and ex explains all this, be resurrected. Here's how Peter describes this. Um, says this in 1 Peter 16 to 18 in chapter one. <clears throat> Talking about the gospel says, we did not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and the authority and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came from him, came to him from the excellent glory, speaking of the Father, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven, 
when we were with him on the holy mountain. That would be, of course, the transfiguration. So what's happening is the writers, the apostles, are giving Jesus glory. The Father's giving Jesus glory. The writers are also giving the Father the glory, the most excellent, and they're doing it through honor. And then this is what Jesus' language is. I'll read John um, chapter 5, verse 19. Um, I'll explain why we're doing this in a minute. Um, I'm just going to give you sort of an unpack honor. But I feel like there's a culture of honor that's going to attract favor. And um, I just, I'm really passionate about this. This is John, what was it? John um, chapter 5, verse 19. Um, Jesus answered the Jews, these are the critics, and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the father, the son does also in a like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even the Son gives life to whom he will. For, uh, for the um, Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So here's the Here's the implication of that text. First of all, he's honoring the Father. The Father's honoring the Son. And he's made this statement, my honor is to give glory and worth to the Father. And so I won't take it unto myself, but I'll do what the Father instructs me to do. And I'll carry out the Father's mission on his behalf because I value him greater than myself. In fact, Philippians chapter 2 says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. Even though he was the divine son eternally in heaven with the father of his same nature and being, it said he, he humbled himself by becoming a man. He did not grab a hold of that glory, but he said all glory and honor belongs to the father. And then the father's going to say, this is my beloved son and honor him. And he says, if we don't honor the Son, we don't honor the Father. And that he's, he's talking about the currency. So here's how this works. If my wife is created in the image of God, and she's my helpmeet, and she has unique value and a created purpose in her life, and as her husband, I don't honor her, who do you think I'm dishonoring? God. And if I dishonor her, I'm dishonoring Jesus, the Christ in her. I'm dishonoring the spirit who's in her, and I'm dishonoring the Father. And as a result, the Father can't honor me because I've dishonored my wife. Do you see how that works in currency? This is what Jesus is saying, as I don't do anything, but I, 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 I operate with my Father in honor, and my Father operates with honor to me. Later in verse 41, this is how Jesus describes honor. This is chapter 5 of John. Um, of John, says, I do not receive honor from men, 
but I know you that you do not have love for God, for I've come in my Father's name, and yet you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe who receives honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the one and only God? Do you think that I accuse you to the Father? There's no one who accuses you. Moses in whom you trust, for if you believe Moses, you should believe me, for he wrote about me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So he's actually saying about honor here that um, he doesn't take honor to himself, but the fact that they're not receiving Jesus, they're not honoring him, and they're not honoring the Father, and therefore they're not believing the words, and they're outside the covenant that's found in Jesus. You see how important, he doesn't use the word love here, he's using the word honor. So actually, if I dishonor things or people, and I'm not the perfect husband or the perfect father, there are times I've dishonored my wife. She's gracious enough to tell me where, um, you know, I won't introduce her properly in a setting. I won't say, oh, excuse me, just a minute. We're talking, but this is my wife. I'd like you to meet Gwen. You know, I'm married up. She's the most amazing person, and I I couldn't be who I am without her. And um, if I don't do that or I talk over her, sometimes I'm a big talker, and so I'll interrupt her. She'll have something to say, and then I add to it, and she'll tell me later, Peter, when you did that, I felt dishonored because I didn't get to fully get out what was important to me, and you cut me off. I'm like, oh, thank you, (laughs) you know? And, um, but I understand that honor, when I honor, say for example, my wife, it, it creates a value for her and it gives her a platform and it also allows her to reap the destiny that she is through honor. This is the currency we're talking about. Let's go on. Honor is how God treats us and expects us to treat him. So I read that in John 5. I'll read it again. It said 22, 23. Go back to those. It says um, that you should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent him. It's this idea that we need to honor the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, this is an interesting text. Um, Eli's sons are boiling the meat and eating it. They're not doing what they're supposed to do with the sacrifices and they're committing adultery with women at the temple gates and they're not honoring God through their actions. And this is what... Is that me? It is me, I don't know. Ooh, gee. Maybe the Lord's getting our attention, huh? <laughs> um, this is what it says. Um, the prophet speaks and says, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I've commanded you to make in my dwelling place? And honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your fathers would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me to do this. For those that honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. 
So what he's saying is your lack of honor in your practices will actually cut you off for the promises and blessing that I've commanded over your house. But those that honor me, I will honor. And honor is giving worth and value and calling forth and setting a platform and giving a stage. And so it's interesting, if you've ever seen Chariots of Fire, it's an old movie, some of you may or may not have seen it. But in that story, somebody's asked to run on the Sabbath. And he decides not to run, and the King of England, everybody puts this incredible pressure on Eric Liddell to run on the Sunday. And he says, no, I won't do it because I want to honor the Lord in the Sabbath. He was very committed to that in his thinking. And one of the other racers hands him a text right out of this and says, those whom God honors, who honor God, God will honor. And he runs a race that he's not normally to run and he's not predicted to win that and he actually wins the gold medal in that race. God honored him for not running on the Sabbath and England takes home you know, the, the trophies from that because this man honored God. So isn't that a sobering text? I want you to hear what it says. So if I dishonor, by the way, I think it's in Peter, um, somebody may know where it is, but it says, husbands, if you do not honor your wife and pray for her, that you actually cut yourselves off from your blessing. Ouch. <laughs> so, honor's important. Now this is how we're expected to treat one another. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 first. Um, Normally I pull these up electronically, but I'm looking at notes, so here we go. It takes a little longer, just bear with me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21. But now indeed there are many members, yet there's one body of Christ. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet say, I have no need of you. No, much more, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on them we actually make an effort to bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Therefore, there should be no schism in the body that the members should have the same care for one another and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member's honored, all the members honor or rejoice with it. I can stop there. So the currency as we relate to everyone in the room here and the spiritual gifts that we carry is through honor. And what we tend to do is we honor the apostle or prophet or the man or woman of God at the front or those that seem to have lots of gifting but what about the little child that carries the presence, because there's no junior Holy Spirit, and they can release life, and we don't tend to honor that. That's why when the disciples said, look, the children, they're running around, and he, he stoops to bless the kids, because he actually understands the principle of honor and calling forth value, and he honors what the society would consider to be the weaker member. We see Jesus doing this consistently with the Samaritan woman, for example, or the woman caught in adultery. Rather than agreeing with the penalty which the law said of stoning, 
he actually reverses it and calls her to sin no more, but does not, does not condemn her and through honor calls her to some greater value. He actually reaches into what's broken in her life and calls forth value. So like the woman at the well, for example, it's like, yeah, you have, you've had five, five husbands, but the, husband, the man you're with now is not your husband. And you know, sir, I see you're a prophet. And then she, he answers all her religious objections. And she ends up becoming the evangelist that wins over an entire Samaritan village to Jesus. And he did it rather than throwing rocks at her sin. He actually honored her and called forth the treasure that was in her. He saw past her brokenness, her apparent adultery at the moment, the fact that she was ostracized from the village coming out at the high time of noon, which is not the time women came out to get the water, but was estranged from society. She, he was a Jew, she's a woman, and he breaks the, the, the societal tradition. She says, well, how is it you are a Jew talking to a Samaritan, and how is it you're a rabbi talking to a woman? And he puts all of that aside and says, you have value, let me tell you about you. And he draws forth her questions, and she realizes this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah, and she gets saved, and then her life turns around and she saves the village. That occurred through honor. Do you see how that works? That honor drew forth that woman's destiny and it advanced the gospel and it changed a village. What if we honored our political leaders that we may disagree with or our school principals or our neighbors that are, the, that are pain in the neighborhood and we treated people with honor, what might it do to our culture? Just an inch, I'm just kind of, the, the scripture says honor the, le the, the weaker members. So, now you're not a weaker member. Are, you're Jessica, right? Jody. Jody? You're the keyboardist, right? You see you through the lights. I just want to honor you. I can feel your pure heart for the Lord. And I can feel that the passion that you have for Jesus and that you genuinely in your heart want to see people connect relationally with the Lord and with one another. And I feel like you've given yourself to that and I honor that in you. And I feel like you're a gift to this body and you're a gift to your pastors and you're a gift to your worship team. And I just honor you. Just bless that in you. So I don't know if I know her well. I mean, I just, I didn't even know her name, but I, I saw you. and. Honor, when we do that, we actually call forth greatness on the worship team if I honor the keyboardist. So the honor actually does something. Rather than saying, oh, you missed this note, which I don't think you missed a note today, or I didn't like this or that, what does that do in the spiritual atmosphere? If the Father treats the Son, the Son treats the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity's honoring one another, do you think if we dishonor, we actually open a gate for the opposite reality, like the, the, the devil? I'm just wondering. Because apparently in James it says that, the, that when the wisdom from above is peaceful, it's pure, it's loving, it's patient, 
It's honoring, but the wisdom from below is demonic, it's sensual, it's contentious, it's gossipy, it's divisive. So if I can honor, I draw forth greatness from a worship team. If I criticize and instead say what's wrong, what do I do in the spirit realm for the worship team? I actually want you to see how this currency works. This is really actually a big deal. If honors how the son treats the father, and the scripture just said um, to Eli and his sons, because you're not honoring me, the covenant promise and your destiny is now cut off. Uh, we don't think of it this way. We think, oh, it's just kind of cool to do, and we're, you know, I got a great honor from Kevin. He introduced me, etc. But the fact is, um, I'm aware in the spiritual atmosphere of those things that take place. I've actually seen this. Um, in, I used to be a manager, uh, um, a vice president. I was at a bank before I became a pastor and I managed a department. And um, my boss was one of those fear and intimidation kind of people that um, um, passive aggressive. It wasn't the screamer type. I, did, I could never work for a screamer, but the passive aggressive was almost worse. You know, if you did something wrong, your computer was shut down for a couple of days and your, your password was erased and you're like, oh my gosh. And it was a silent treatment. You thought, oh, dang, you know, and it was their way of saying, you got to perform or you're out. And uh, the culture was fear and intimidation. Well, when I ended up taking over the department, my assignment from the Lord was to honor the employees and to honor them and to speak forth greatness. And the production of the department doubles while our staff is actually smaller because people, because they were honored, could come into the fullness of who they are rather than living under a fear or criticism culture. I tell you, this works. If you've, if you've seen little kids and you just praise them or give them honor, what does, their, what does their little heart do? Their smile comes on their face and they, they swell up and they just, you know, it's like, yeah, I can change the world. And, 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 and you know, uh, I just remember my little, my, my daughter, Anne, I have one daughter, and she was, she got in her Tarzan, she got in her pink leotards and then did a Tarzan thing on this rope from our tree. And she was singing and this and that. And I remember when I just, I, my wife and I went out there and said, let's, let's just give her a praise. And we praised this, strong, this song over her about her strength, that she was like Jane and Tarzan, and she was going to have a voice to her generation and this and that. She came in, and she's just like, I mean, and you know what? We actually built into her spirit, and we called forth destiny in our daughter's life through honor. Now, if we said, right, if we said, oh, what were you doing? That was, I mean, you don't swing like Jane in a tutu. That's not how you do it. And we criticized, you know what? She just shut down and she's quit dancing. We can see it in the natural, but we don't actually understand that it's actually for adults. It's actually the currency of how heaven operates. So I'm kind of wandering, but this is actually really important. Um, 1 Peter 2.17 says this, honor all people, love the brothers, the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. So I'm actually, I'm commanded, that's a commandment, it's an imperative, aorist imperative. I'm commanded to honor my governor. We just passed the most liberal abortion laws in the country. 
It's hard to do that. But there's actually an office that pastors have right next to the governor's office, and they're praying daily for the governor. And I will speak honor because I want to flip the culture. My criticism and throwing rocks isn't going to change things. But if through honor I can call forth something different, we could change the spiritual climate, hopefully. Does this make sense? (laughs) Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in word and doctrine. This text in um, Exodus 20, 12 and Ephesians 6, 2, that if we honor our father and mother, it goes well with us. I shared some stories of my dishonor of my father in his indecisive nature and how I reaped the same because I was judging him. And when I learned to honor my father and ask forgiveness and speak the praises of my dad, things shifted in my life because the spiritual pressure and climate in my life had been flipped. We, we were asked to leave our denomination when the Holy Spirit came to our church. And uh, Gene remembers this. It was a difficult time. We, we really felt like that we'd contended for five years for the Spirit to come. We, we'd seen no miracles, no healing, no prophecy, nothing. And when the Spirit came, we were so excited. And then Two years later, I was asked to leave. Um, I was removed from being the church plant coordinator for the region or the broader area. And then they said, we're not comfortable with what's happening. Either move to a seeker service or you leave. And, uh, and what the Lord said is, I want you to honor them. Even though you don't agree with the decision, and here's what I want you to do you actually knew that they would be nervous about what you're doing and you never actually asked their permission. So I want you to ask for forgiveness for what you've done and I want you to honor what they do and the the lives they're baptizing through seeker-sensitive services and honor them with the best that you have affirming their ministry and their leadership and ask their forgiveness. So I swallow my pride, and rather than fighting, I honor them, and then I say, they gave me forgiveness, by the way, and they said, thank you, we are baptizing lots of people. And I said, yeah, you guys are amazing. And then I said, is there any way we can work out a place where we stay or not stay? And they thought about it, it went all the way up to the national director of our movement. And they said, no, actually, we think we'd we'd still like to have you move on. So I did so with honor, We expressed why we were leaving. We did not throw the movement under the bus. And in fact, we invited the area overseer to come down and we prophesied and prayed and we honored them. And they left in tears. And I was like, oh, that was not good, you know? (laughs) But what actually happened is they were so impacted by the honor in the fact that they asked us to leave. They later called me up two months, six weeks later and said, can we meet? And they said, we're so sorry we asked you to leave. Would you forgive us? We don't want to cut off the move of the Holy Spirit. Would you consider reaffiliating? And we were so impacted by your honor, we've actually removed the pastor from his position that was criticizing you and told us to remove you. 
And we just discovered in our records, we never sowed into your church plant. Here's $10,000 into your church plant. And would you reaffiliate to our movement? And would you pray for us that the Holy Spirit will bless us? Do you know what flipped a circumstance that was broken was honor? I, I seriously, this is how it works. We honored them, it flipped a culture of criticism and divisiveness in the area movement and created a reconciliation movement. Today we just finished teaching last fall the, this movement invited us to come back and tell us, speak on the Holy Spirit, on prophecy, on healing, which they'd cut off. The national director of the movement was in our church last week for John and Carol Arnott and said, I want them to pray for us. How we got there was honor. Now I had every right as a human to criticize and to throw them under the bus. Oh, you're doing the right thing. These guys cut it off. They don't want the Holy Spirit. No, you do all this stuff. But guess what? We would have created a divisive atmosphere in our region. Instead, honor flipped something in the spirit. You see how valuable this is? It's a spiritual principle that if I honor, I honor God and then God honors me. I'm actually reaping that right now. I'm reaping the fruit of honor. At the time, it cost me because we had to leave a denomination that I loved and thought I was gonna give my life to. But I look at it now and I say, Lord, that's amazing. I swallowed my pride, but look what's happened and it's affecting others because of honor. So, husbands, oh here it is, 1 Peter 3, 7. Listen to this text. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to your wife. Now it says as to the weaker vessel, I won't unpack that, but it's the idea of one that needs tender love and affection and needs care and affirmation. And it's being joint heirs with her together in the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow, I think our homes need to hear that. By the way, parents, do not exasperate your children. And children, honor your parents. It's in Ephesians and it's in Colossians. So I actually, through honor of my children, without exasperating them through criticism and shaming and a fear intimidation culture can actually draw forth who they are. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna skip, go to the next. Let me give you some principles, characteristics of relational honor. You guys ready? I see some of you taking notes. You're an amazing church. You must have a, amazing pastors that give you all this stuff and train you and uh, you guys are gonna be world changers. I just, uh, actually just wanna pray a blessing over Elevate Miami. Lord, I pray that this would be a place where refugees that come to this country would find a home here, where they would be valued, not just for the culture that they carry, but they would be valued in the Christ in them, the hope of glory. I pray this church would double in size. I pray that through honor, government leaders and officials 
people of influence, businesses would be affected in the city because of the honor that they show towards all men. And I pray that the favor would fall on this house and that your honor that's present in this would call this house to a new level. Um, I actually hear this, that some of you are going to, I don't know what your prophetic teams are, but what if you had prophetic teams that would actually walk and say, hey, we, we like to bless, because prophecy is that, in edification, encouragement, and, and um, you know, correction. What if you went to business leaders and said, can we pray for your business? We would just like to honor you and bless you to increase, and you bring your prophets in, and you start speaking words of kingdom life over your businesses, I actually think things would flip. Um, let me tell you a story. One of my spiritual dads, Jack Taylor, he's a Southern Baptist, was out of Castle Hills, wealthy suburb of Dallas. He was a Baptist, and uh, one day the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to go to the most prominent um, strip club where they also have a brothel and I want you to minister to the owners. So they go down there and they say, they honored, they spent several weeks honoring, speaking over them. And, they, and then they say, hey, we would love to come and do some music. We see you have music in this place. Would you like us to come do music? So they brought their Christian worship team and they started doing music in this place. And before long, the owners the owner and the wife get saved. And over the next two months, she leads 40 prostitutes to the Lord. And then those prostitutes led the uh, government officials in the region and all the business leaders that visited to the Lord. And within six months, a thousand got saved and revival hits the church. And it came through honoring what is dishonorable. Do, do you hear the principle of what happens? It's just ridiculous. It makes no sense because oh, they're sinners. This is what Jesus was criticized for by the, the religious leaders. Why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? You can't do that. And then Jesus gives them a variety of parables about how he's seeking the lost, how he's doing this, how he's doing that. And the honor that Jack and his team did flipped a spiritual climate in a brothel. They later shut it down. And it became a place where they had worship nights. And all these people get saved because it started with honor. I'm just giving some examples to kind of open thoughts. <laughs> so here's the principles. Number one, honor is seeing and calling forth the best in people. It does not take a prophet to see the weaknesses. I could tell you my wife's weaknesses. I could tell you all of my kids' weaknesses. I could tell you my weaknesses. But if I call forth the best, I'm honoring. It's calling the potential forth. It's valuing another above oneself. It's having a clear attitude. I actually, the honor starts on the inside before it's the outside. Je Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah when he said that. So apparently I could honor Gene, but if my heart towards Gene is not honoring, I'm actually brokering dishonor versus honor. And I'm actually a hypocrite because what I'm saying carries no weight. So I'm going to call forth the best. It's not only a heart attitude, but it overflows with words and actions. And I'm going to honor people because of their intrinsic worth. I don't care what they see. 
and what they're broken in, but I can call forth through honor. Um, I actually believe this, that honor is an essential spiritual and discipleship discipline of the Christian life. So I said this, honor is seeing the fourth the best. Second, I just already said it. Honor begins in the heart, but it leads to actions. And here's the text I just referred to. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their fear of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Notice honor begins towards honor to the Lord and it begins in the heart which needs to be authentic, which then leads to appropriate actions. Hmm. Number three, honor is rooted in understanding proper respect from authority. Honor God with our actions of obedience, love, respect, and praise. Uh, says Proverbs 3, 9, honor God with your wealth. Says about Honoring God, honor God with your body and with a holy lifestyle, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, 1 Thess 4, 4. Honor your elders, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Honor your mother and father, your parents. Honor your husbands, honor your wives. Wives have a respect for your husband. Honor your employer, employees. In fact, mutual honor is the currency of what works in a, in a secular. Somebody told me, the other day, um, their boss asked him this question. They said, yeah, I've, I just worked a 12-hour day, slave for this person. And um, they asked me, what's the intrinsic worth you bring to our organization? And I'm thinking, wow, I don't know anything. I didn't ask any questions about the office, but can you imagine what it would be like to work in that environment where no honor is present? I got a feeling it's kind of a fear intimidation, performance-based orphan opportunity to work. Wow. That doesn't respect somebody. It doesn't call forth their potential. He goes so far in Romans 13, one to seven to say honor all authority, secular or Christian, that God places over us. So I've said thirdly, honor is rooted in understanding proper respect for authority. Number three, or is that three already? Uh, the numbers are off. Number four, honor believes in the intrinsic value of all people. Number five, honor believes the best and mines for the gold. It looks for potential, it looks for the truth, it looks for identity in God, and it affirms the best in overlooking the worst. I gave you a couple of examples of that, but I just want you to have that language. My assignment is to call forth the gold. This Richard over here, I've just got to know him real briefly. Um, he had a situation where his parents died while he was a young man, but he asked me to pray for his sisters. And what I gathered for him is that he has a heart for people and for their well-being and he is looking to make his life count and to be significant. And where he was abandoned by tragic circumstances, he's gonna move in the opposite spirit of that. And he'll be a voice for many and a place that will bring a safe haven 
and he'll be able to be a strong tower that will shield people from injustice because that's what God has on this man's life. And I honor you and bless you for that. Now, I don't know what Richard's done, but what I did is I'm looking for the gold and what God says, not what might be there. I'm not even thinking about what might be there. I see him as a new creation. The next one is this, honor calls forth greatness. You're not defined by who you think you are, but by what God says about your life, and you draw that forth through honor. You're not defined by the words of others, but the truth of your identity in Him, and you're not defined by your failures, your weaknesses, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. And through honor, we call forth that greatness rather than through criticism, bind people in their weakness. Honor recreates an empowering culture. How many want to be empowered? Told you can run, you can win the race, you're a champion, you can, you can thrive, you can succeed, you can conquer the mountain. When you honor and you believe in a person, they rise up to what you believe in them. That's the story of, of that, that film I, I shared with you. The, the teacher believed in the kids and the kids rose to the expectation. And it creates empowerment. And I, when I believe in them, we have a, a culture where we have an open microphone and people say, Pastor, I think I got a word. And I say, here's the mic. And I don't even hold it. I just say, here it is, go give the word. And they're like, really? I say, yeah, I trust you. I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And the honor that I give them calls forth a son or daughter to rise up and become something. Right now, our children, I'm sure you do it here, prophesy, they pray for the sick. On any, one Sunday a month, we have our kids get prophetic words or words of knowledge, and they give me a list in worship. And we say, there's a woman here with a purple shirt, and you've got a right shoulder, or someone hurt their knee in a bike accident. I've got this list of 20 things. Over 50% of the people that go back get healed by the children because we've honored them and the Holy Spirit in them. And they're like, oh, Jesus, please heal this owie four-year-old, and then off they go doing their thing and the owie gets healed. And if I laugh and say, children shouldn't do that, or that was silly, wasn't respectful, I, I dishonor the Holy Spirit in them, and they can't become world changers. So we honor our children in that way. What's well, not amazing, they're praying for people in their public schools, and they're seeing people healed in their school system because they learned to do it in, at school, and they've that we've honored their identity as world changers, and they're starting to believe it. <laughs> That's empowerment. Honor creates respect. Honor respects the feelings, the rights, the wishes, the desires, and the dignity of a person. Remember, I shared this yesterday, and, um, well, I'll share a different story. I was at, um, I got a chance to be a count, uh, counselor at a Christian school for like three years straight because my my, one of my oldest went to it. And I noticed all of the pastor's kids were the most rebellious. They were just the worst. I'm not saying that's true for Kevin and, and, and Sherry. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And the Lord speaks to me and says, they're in a culture at home where they're being mandated to do Bible study 
and they're mandated to be holy because you can't embarrass the pastor by having kids that wander around and do all sorts of weird stuff. And they grew up in this legalistic culture, and I know enough to know the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, grace culture gives life. And I said, Lord, I don't want my kids to be that way. And so what had happened is the kids were not honored for who they are. So I started going out of my way to make sure all of my sons and my daughter were honored. And none of them sowed wild oats. None of them, they're all serving the Lord. And the honor has called forth things. I honored my 12-year-old son when we had our first prophet come. Actually, he was 14. This was John, Phil Zaldati, you remember? First prophet ever, 2002. I, I bring my son to this, and I said, son, you're only 12, 13, 14, I, but I want to bring you um, to this event. Actually, I brought him at age 12. Um, brought him to this event, and um, Phil prophesies over him. It says, I see a guitar in your hand. I see you going to nations, and I see you worshiping in nations, and your, your sound is gonna be like this band called Lifehouse. He said, do you play an instrument? He said, no. He said, well, you're going to, and I see a guitar, and uh, you need to start, son. So my son became a self-taught musician, got a bass guitar, and ended up becoming our worship pastor for six years, and before he was 21, it led worship in 11 nations. Because I honored my son at 12 and said, I wanna show you how to be a man, and I'm gonna bring you before the prophet and you have value in my sight, and I know there's something locked in you. I see the creative in you, and if a prophet can call something forth, I'll get behind that, and I'll, I'll sponsor you in going to the nations. I'll sponsor your music. It creates something. Um, respect through honoring boundaries. Respect of differing gifts. Respect of personalities and styles. Deciding to give freedom of choice. So I gave my kids the freedom of choice rather than hovering over them and being a helicopter parent. And as a result, they made good choices because I trusted them and I honored them. We did this for all our kids at 16. I had a rite of passage. And what I did, I, I should have looked at my notes to just read to you from one of the kids. I brought, I said, said John, Michael, Mark, those are my kid, and, and Anne, my daughter, said, I want you to find 10 or 12, 14 of your best people. We'll cook some steaks. For my daughter, it was a tea party. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna affirm you, and I'm asking all of them to bring prophetic words, but I was the first to go, and I'd read a two-page list of everything I saw in my son or my daughter, and I'd honor them publicly in front of all their besties all of their people that are the most important in their life. And then I'd hand them the keys to their new used car. And I'd just honor them in front of people, and I tell you what, they rose up into it. What would a culture look like, and I'm not putting this on the pastors, if every one of you honored everyone in the room? I'm looking at the time, it's almost. Wouldn't that be incredible to see what would happen here? Honor moves in sacrificial love and service. I'll finish this quickly. Honor gives permission for power. Wow. 
Powerful people can rise up in a culture of honor because we honor their identity, we honor their sense of calling, and powerful people create powerful people. Honor does not draw one honor to itself, which we've already talked about. It releases responsibility, but also accountability. Let me read this to you. Honor does not mean that we do not lovingly confront behavior that's out of line. Why well, say that? Instead, it creates an, an environment of iron sharpening iron and confrontation lovingly. Honor only works, however, when a recipient can receive honor and they're open in their heart to being spoken to and called forth. If they think they know it, they think they have it together and they don't respect you, there's no honor towards you, they can't receive honor. How many have seen that? The, the, the kid can't receive honor because they've not honored their parent. So when there's honor, there's a teachable spirit in the recipient. So if Gene were to honor me, I need to have a teachable spirit to that. But I don't avoid, he doesn't avoid confrontation or calling things forth when they see something where a higher standard can be met. But it comes this way. Actually, somebody spoke to me yesterday and said, you know, I got a, I got a nugget of suggestion. And what they did is it was very honoring. And what I felt was I can be better because of how they honored me and what they called me forth into. And I can, I know their heart towards me and that honor will, will release me into greater greatness. And so I'm gonna receive that. It didn't come as criticism, but it came as an honoring thought, which is releasing life for me. Does this make sense how this works? We're not saying that everyone has equal authority. Uh, there are leaders, there's people I'm under, there's people I'm accountable to, and I honor that authority. While I'm in this house, I have a Ke Kevin and Sherry and their leadership team. I asked, I've got two minutes to honor, the, Matthew told me, Matt told me, we're done at noon. I'm like, okay, we're done at noon. And, uh, and we're not saying everyone's, it's a round table, that everyone has equal authority, but it is a round table and that we honor everybody. But we do honor our authority. It's not saying um, that leaders can walk in manipulation and control and fear in destructive manners. We need to call them to account for that, but we do it lovingly and in honor. We're not saying we can pick and choose the environments that we honor in. We walk in honor in all environments. We're not saying we can't disagree or have differing opinions, but we can walk in honor even when we differ. By the way, the culture I steward within demonstrates the culture I steward without. And if I could honor my movement, I can flip things in the culture through my honor. And it starts with my inner attitude. It begins with humility. Listen to this, Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble spirit will retain honor. Honor's not conditional on another's worthiness. Wow. So when my son or my people in my church are acting out, it's my honor towards them is not conditioned on their behavior. Just like love, right? We don't condition our love based on behavior. It's supposed to be unconditional. The same is true with honor. 
We think that honor only goes to those that deserve it, those with character, wealth, title, status. They earned it in some way. I tell you, it's not conditioned on their worthiness. The kingdom's different than that. It's my choice to give honor. It's not another's behavior to dictate whether I honor or not. So someone can behave poorly towards me and I can choose to respond in honor. And I can tell you, I know in the principle spiritually, if I honor back, it's gonna flip something in the spirit and the conflict will end quickly. By the way, you can't get my honor, it's my choice to give it. And it's a reflection of that culture within. So here's the fruit and then I'll close, it is 12. Honor allows you to both give and receive a good inheritance, this is what we've said. When you honor God and others, you receive honor and you receive an inheritance. It creates a place of safety, freedom, and empowerment. It creates healthy relationships that are actually held together by honor. And so I just wanna challenge us, um, elevate Miami. What if we elevated each other through honor? and we saw what the kingdom looked like, and I'll tell you, honor costs you something, because you don't know how they're gonna respond back to you. But I know the principle that if I honor, God will honor me, and I'm going to honor God first. And I'm gonna choose to, to steward a culture of honor. Has this been helpful? Is this making sense? And. Um, By the way, I'm not necessarily feeling like there's dishonor here. I just felt like the Lord, I was gonna speak on a father's blessing. <laughs> Apologize for those of you that I promised that yesterday, but I just felt like the Lord said, I want you to speak on honor today. So I'm just gonna partner my words with what's already happening here and call you to a higher level and add value to the honor that's already in this house. Because I believe this house is to grow, it's to increase, and this, currency of honor relationally is going to take you to the next level. So let me pray for you. I'll turn it back over to Kevin. Lord, I thank you for Elevate Miami for each one here. And I pray, Lord, that in our homes, as our parenting to our children, as children ourselves or adults towards our, our parents, uh, us to one another, us to our leaders, Lord, that you would create honor in our hearts, that you would actually we would receive this word in our heart. We would understand this and that, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you keep us on a short, short leash. Lord, we don't wanna wander off the trail. Just yank that chain the minute we start dishonoring and, and literally catch us in our words. And Lord, we ask you to first start with our heart because we can, we can mouth this, but it needs to be here. So Lord, we ask you by the Holy Spirit to give an inward change, an inward power of honor that shifts our life and creates a culture of empowerment where people from all over Miami here, if you go to that church, you'll be raised up into the fullness of who you are. And we just bless this house in Jesus' name, amen. Kevin, come on up. Uh, is this, this is the same channel? I thought the other one was the same channel. What do I know? Hey, we love you. We bless you. 
Uh, we want to honor Pastor Peter. He didn't ask for it, but we want to honor him. The Bible says honor a prophet and you receive a prophet's reward. Um, where's Shelly? Shelly, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, can we get some envelopes and just if uh, somebody could help her? What we want to do is we want to write on the envelope um, Dr. Peter or Pastor Peter. So write, everybody say it with me. Write on the envelope, Pastor Peter. Okay, so if you're giving on the machine, we want you to take, take the receipt, put it in the envelope, and write on it, Pastor Peter or Dr. Peter. Okay, you with me? And so you can give cash, check, or anything like that. It's all right. You don't have to give. You get to give. You don't have to honor. You get to honor. But we want to honor them. They're not asking for this. He didn't do a message on honor so that I could stand up here and ask for an honor offering for him because he came for free. You understand that? He, didn't, he brings a team, and he just wants to bless this church. But we want to bless in return. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. So if you, if you need an envelope, just hold up your hand. Uh, Shelly's going to bring it around to you as well. Um, just hold up your hand. Hand it up. And if you need to go to the machine, you can go to the machine now. And then um, um, what, we'll, what we're end up going to do, we're not going to do any ministry, right? Are we going to do any ministry? No? Ministry? No? Yeah? Okay. So how about after second service? Can we do ministry after second? Yeah? Well, do you know? Hey, second service. After we, we got another service coming after this one. So if you, we're going to do some ministry and some impartation after second service. So uh, if you, if you want to come back, if you want to stay, if you want to go grab lunch and come back, it'll probably start, I don't know, around 2 ish 230 ish is when we'll start the ministry somewhere in that version but if if you're up for it you know i mean i don't know where you guys are at yeah you're good all right so we're going to do that that'll be after the second service i'm going to pray over you if you anybody here need prayer we have a prayer team available so we do have a prayer team so if you need prayer prophetic any kind of in, uh prayer for um today that that's happening and then uh second service so let me bless you just open up your hearts just receive the blessing may the lord bless you may the lord keep you May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. And when you're done, you can drop it.